recording on, and let's have some fun. Good afternoon, everyone. BC here. Hope everything is well. This is Tech Tuesday. This is my, wow, 95th episode. 95th, back-to-back, unfailingly. How cool is that? And for those of you on YouTube, thank you so much for joining us, for being just such loyal participants on this segment I do every Tuesday. Alfie, good seeing you. Good afternoon. Unknown Terra. Waving to you. Hey, Will Design. That's how you say it. <laughs> good afternoon, R35. Hello, Mothers Jamaica. Good seeing you. Raphael. Good afternoon. Dreaded Trader. Greetings indeed. Now, you have a very long name. Is that Z-U-D-M-S-M-Y-V? <laughs> That's a long one. Izzy. Hello, sir. Good to see you. Hot Wheels Creations. Good afternoon. Corrupt Nation. Boosted GD3 for me. I appreciate that. Oh, Alfie says, I saw you on TV, my man. Yes, we had this wonderful filming of the show called Hyperdrive, which was a blast, and it was produced by Charlize Theron, so that was a lot of fun indeed. Guatemala is in the house. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, indeed, Honda Pro Jason. Whoa, you're in Guatemala. Wow, stay cool out there. Hello, Disfit Moves. Ah, my good friend Jeremiah from Type 2. Good afternoon. Hello, IB4. Good seeing you. The club, good seeing you. The Mad BC, yes I am, quite crazy, to be honest with you. Unknown Terror, thank you so much. Ah, Leo Baganas is saying that I'm a hyperdrive future driver, greatest of all time, thank you so much. I haven't done much drifting, but how hard could it be? <laughs> anyway, oh my goodness. So, me Levi is saying, is it possible to repurpose a hybrid system in a car like the CRZ to power a large electric supercharger? Yes, it can be. Now. One thing that's really cool about a car like the Honda CRZ is that it has two major systems. It has a high voltage system with the, you know, the bright orange wires you see in the engine bay via the IMA, which is Integrated Motor Assist, and also a very proper 12-volt system with a step-down transformer, which is pretty cool. So depending on that, you can definitely do that. And the cool thing is that you're using the petrol engine not only as a propulsion unit, but a pseudo-generator to allow you to charge the batteries via the IMA. So yes, you can with some creativity. No Limit, good seeing you. Hello, Kevin, good afternoon. Raphael says, yes, we saw you on Netflix. It was awesome, and I had a blast. One of the most fun times I had filming ever. So thank you so much. Hello, Distant Moves, good afternoon. Wagwan, to you as well. Patman13 with the patois in the house. Um, Goddess Sun says, good afternoon, BC. I remember pushing your Honda Insight, and yes, you know my Honda Insight is coming back out. So for those of you who don't know this, this is the car that made me extremely popular broke tons of records as a, as a naturally aspirated um, single overcam engine. Um, at the time, it made like 432 wheel years ago. It was a proof of concept engine from F22A. It was an engine that had no aftermarket support at all. We designed everything in-house and had it manufactured. And then this engine made tons of power. So we took it from a 130 horsepower rubbish engine that you may have your grandmother drive in the cord to this awesome five, 430 wheel horsepower monster, which was the first front-wheel drive all motor to hit 150. And when we did 150 miles an hour in a quarter mile, people were freaking out, like how is that possible? So guess what? It's coming back out. We have all the components in house and Hoonigan is gonna cover the build of this from its building to its going to the track. So we should have a lot of data coming out very soon, which is pretty, pretty exciting. AJ, how have you been? You've been missing an action all the way in the UK. Thank you for joining this afternoon. Hello, Salma Racing Sport. Salim Racing Sport, I should say. Thanks so much. Club 5500, good seeing you. Um, 
Thoughts on a new hypercar, 300 horsepower. Hypercar, or do you mean 300 miles an hour? Hmm. Do I ship products to Asia? Yes, we do. We are a global organization and we ship all over the planet without qualm. I know, drifting is so easy, says we're designed. We'll find out. I've had the opportunity to do something very clever. My friends from the ID agency, they took us to the raceway in Font, no, no, not Fontana, but Irwindale. And there was this drift school that came in from Vegas and they gave us these uh, Mustangs to play around with. It was not, that control wasn't as easy, but within a few hours, I got the hang of it. So it should be good, you know? Fluke Gang, thanks for the kind words. You're too kind indeed. Brain C, good seeing you indeed. Thank you so much, guys, for joining. I appreciate that. And where am I right now? I am in Carson, in a very nice facility that's near and dear to me. As you can see, there are quite a few wheels behind me. I'm at the 1552 headquarters. And as you guys know, 1552 is an organization that has been partners for us for many, many years and provides some great shoes for our wonderful projects over the years. Um, everything from the Blue 911 to, wow, our Odyssey, which has had two different types of designs as well, um, to a, quite a few of our Hyundai projects. And these guys are really creative and really great. And I'm actually here to pick up a set of wheels for our upcoming SEMA project. So for those of you who will be going to SEMA, please stop by the Hyundai booth. You'll see the Cora building, which is pretty amazing, with a set of shoes from this lovely company here in Carson. This Escort, I'm not going to do anything to it. So for those of you who don't know, you can see right there, there's an Escort with Hoonigan in it. Um, it's a nice RS version. Um, it's just here on display, so I'm not going to do anything with it at all. <laughs> not yet, at least, you know? Um, this, um, Dreaded Trader's asking, describe the most difficult mod repair you've ever done. I would say, from just a one-off modification, it would be incorporating an ECU, a standalone ECU, into a vehicle that has no protocol for it whatsoever. And that takes a lot of work. And what I mean by that, if you get a brand new car that has no aftermarket support at all, because it's brand new, and you're trying to incorporate some type of engine management solution to allow you to tune it and make some great power, it is very, very difficult to do, especially if you want to incorporate that kind of technology into the factory power distribution module that controls the chassis. So one thing I have to do initially is to scope the entire engine. So any solenoids, any type of motors that exists, whether it's everything from the solenoid to control the cam control to drive-by wire, you want to be able to scope those things and determine what frequency they operate in and then use an engine management solution to replicate those so that you can have them work properly when you're controlling it. So that's always the most difficult mod. When it comes to being something along the lines of a full project, I would say the Odyssey. So that Odyssey that's so popular, the 1029 horsepower Odyssey, that blows tires away in every gear, that thing was the most difficult project for us to build. Not only because we only had seven weeks to go from inception to completion, it was extremely difficult because there was no aftermarket support. Parts that came in sometimes that we had to rush didn't come in properly, so we had to have to redesign and send back in. It was extremely expensive and extremely difficult and a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of illness. I got very sick building that car. So that's very, very challenging, you know? Will you break 450 horsepower with F22? AJ, that's a great question. You know, the funny thing nowadays is that, man, there is, from what I gather in the dry racing scene, there's no fuel um, policing. So people are doing everything from adding oxygenated fuels to nitro. So if we did with regular alcohol-based fuels, if we were to make 400 plus to the wheels years ago, what would we do if I followed in everyone's footsteps as a chemist 
to add my own fuel. It can be quite frightening. We can definitely exceed that 450. That should be a challenge, you know? Um, Kevin, you see parts coming? Well, the pistons just came in last week, and um, we've been extremely busy since then, especially with the SEMA project. This week alone, I'm going to focus quite a bit on the SEMA projects we have coming, which is pretty interesting, you know? Yes, corrupt. You're absolutely correct. The single, ca single cam has tons of potential. Hello, Fox Design. Shell, good seeing you. Thanks for joining. Good afternoon. Germany's in the house. Saw me in Hyperdrive. Thank you so much, S4. That was a nice show. So thank you so much for all the love on that Netflix show that we just had come out. Um, we filmed that in Rochester, New York. It was great seeing the entire team there. Uh, everyone from Mike to uh, um, uh, to um, Oh, what am I drawing blanks here? Um, the entire team, Saul, who was kind enough to allow me to point in the right direction with that entire vehicle, to Rutledge, who was part of that as well, who we've known for a long time. It was really, really good, you know? Germany squad, amen. Um, when we get some rally footage of the all rally, oh, I don't think I'll be rallying. <laughs> I don't think I'll be rallying that. Um, most likely, I'll be doing some drag strip stuff. Because if you remember, that wagon is, uh, was built as my revenge car for the um, Netflix show Fastest Car. So our goal is to have that in the third season, and you'll see an artist's glory then, see what she is capable of, you know? Can I see the well tail on the cosworth? Sure, absolutely you can. s -cow. there you go. Look at how dope that is. Almost reminiscent of the Mekar, um XR4Ti. It's really cool. It's really, really cool. Awesome, thank you so much. Oh, I'm gonna move this around. I'm messing up my camera equipment here. Sorry, guys. Okay. Yes, we'll walk around that in a moment. You know, um, thoughts on pinning the rear diff on the wagon? That is a little crude for me, Kevin. What we're trying to do is I'm trying to work with the guys from Automotive KMD to have more of a clutch delete that can have more of a very robust, um, how should I put this? It limits the clutches that have a very robust. Differential inside. Does that make sense? Replacing the clutches will have more of like a viscous coupler, which allows us to have um, ease of movement and ease of turning the vehicle without locking up and giving us all the challenges with that and drivetrain issues and allowing us to hook up properly without any problems whatsoever. So, first, as you know, Kevin, we have to get some experience with the clutches and make sure everything's proper before we go to the next level and see what's going on, you know? Um, Hey, BC, would you build the fastest Accord 2.0 in the world? That's something that has not been done before. King, I'd love to, but a lot of my support comes from the OEMs. So if it's something that Honda doesn't sign off on, most likely it may not happen, you know? Um, Taylor Robinson is asking, what would I do with a Holden Oot? Oh my God, that is so dope. We just talked to one of our friends, Brett Gass, about that, who's uh, based in Australia as well. And he's the owner of uh, Carbon Revolution. And we were talking about that as well. I would turbocharge, I understand that engine is pretty robust. I would turbocharge the crap out of that thing and shoot for four digits easily. So most likely it'll be a large twin turbo setup, running on flex fuel with an AM ECU, beautiful manifolds to make sure that not only does it look the part but also performs the part. And I may go with a sequential gearbox to just tie everything in and make it really enjoyable to drive, you know? Mini Rubin is asking, what's the max horsepower you can gain from a K24 NA? I wouldn't be surprised if you can do something close to 500 wheel at all. I won't be surprised at all. So it's very possible. Do I like BMWs? I do actually, especially the newer stuff they're doing with the hybrid technology. I do like them very much. Um, their combination with the friend, our friends from Toyota where they built the uh, you know, Z4 slash Supra has been really a nice combination of technologies. So I like them very much. I even own a, um, an E93. 
Ah, what's up? BC tuning in from work. Thank you, Jaka, for joining us. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Hola, Wagon Mike. Hello, brother, all the way from Nevada. We'll be in your neck of the woods in two months for the Steema show. So I'm pretty excited about that indeed, you know? Have I worked on two Jay-Zs? Asking Bayside Supra. Uh, limit of torque and maximum rev limit, you can go with a stock bottom end. So that's the thing. You can push two Jay-Zs quite a bit. The bottom end, because of the construction of it, you can push significantly. You can get to a thousand horsepower without a challenge, especially with a proper tune. RPM-wise, we have not pushed past 8,000 at all with a factory engine. Um, the bearing clearances weren't really designed for that. And then the oil pump needs some massaging as well. So in factory form, I wouldn't do much of that. But 2Js, we've done tuned tons of them. 2JZs are really what got me into the turbocharging of cars. because And, and even my direction towards turbonetics. Because all the 2JZs that came in initially that shut down my dyno had turbonetics on them. And I'm like, wow, this is a good brand. And a brand I should use when doing my own power plants, you know? Um, have you ever tuned an E55 with an M113 engine? No, I have not. I've not had the pleasure or honor to do that, you know? VK is asking, am I the guy from the fastest car? LOL. Yes, I am. That is I indeed. Um, hello, Aden. Good. Good seeing you indeed. Appreciate that. Marlon EG. Wow, long time, sir. Haven't seen you. Then why we call you help? Because I've been running around like crazy. Um, a lot of things I did this weekend, this holiday weekend was designed. So, Kevin, you saw what I um, printed out the wing of the 935 that we're building for SEMA for the AM booth. Um, I was doing a lot of design today more than anything else. And then on Saturday, I was with Ralph Gilles, who is from FCA. He's the head of global design. And uh, we were discussing some really good projects for the future as well. So it wasn't anything where I needed physical assistance. But this week, I definitely need help. So by all means, I need your assistance, you know? Um, how come you seem to be the only one that can keep an M96 in? I have no idea, Tim Diamonds. Maybe because people don't play around with it. And I would be honest with you, I don't hide this. My background is in tuning Hondas. And in the Honda world, as I've been in all types of motorsports, all types of uh, uh, different marquees where enthusiasts are really in tuned and, and very, you know, uh, um, how should I say, focused on the brand, the Honda enthusiast is extremely, if not the most creative in the entire scene. So you get engines like a D-Series that... Uh, makes a you know barely 100 horsepower will modify and, 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 and go crazy and, and address all the shortcomings to make it robust. The K series, when they first came out, oh, you can't modify that. And the Honda guys, like, oh, yeah, went to town, K20s, K24s, the K20As, K24As, went to town, and now those things make 13, 14, 100 horsepower. So I come from a world where we're not afraid of addressing shortcomings. The one thing about the M96 engine in Porsche is that people don't pay attention to is that the ports are humongous. And the valve angles are very generous. So what does that mean? You can have a well-flowing head and you can throw in large camshafts that don't give you any challenges. Are there some challenges with that engine? Yes, like any manufacturer, there are some challenges, especially when you push power. M96 being a problem with de-chunking the top of the sleeves, what do you do? Take it to Golden Eagle, have them resleeve it. The challenge with intermediate shaft bearings, upgrade the bearings and make it more robust. The challenges with valve train and springs braking, upgrade them to be some of those style springs. Wherever there are challenges, upgrade them. Now, there's one thing Porsche does very well, and they've done an amazing job of branding, where they have that tagline, think about it, they have that tagline of being absolutely perfect. There's no substitute. And the enthusiasts who buy those cars, even the mechanics who work on them, feel that Porsche engineering is perfect from factory. So why even modify it? Why improve on it? You can't improve on it. But you can. 
any manufacturer puts in shortcomings. So that being said, just maybe it's sheer economics, maybe it's in terms of scaling, maybe in terms of design uh, opportunities for the future, maybe it's in terms of limiting the age of an engine so you can buy a new one or upgrade to another car. Whatever the case may be, if the mechanics, if the enthusiasts feel that it's perfect from factory and they don't modify it, how could you extract more power? Well, I think differently and I bring more to the table. So I hope that helps. I know it's a long answer to a short question, but I appreciate that indeed, you know? Um, I think who's asking, so for alt-right power, single cam F series or B series? Single cam F. So I just mentioned a moment ago about the um, Porsche M96 engine, how the head really flows well. The head holds the highest potential for power. Now, if you combine that head flow, which the F series non-VTEC has very well, and combine that with the displacement and also the cost-effective nature of those Accord engines, it's a win-win indeed, you know? Um, BC, you need to make your J-series minivan all-wheel drive. Import Think, once again, I built that van for American Honda. I've reached out to them about modifying it and improving on it, but they'd rather me do something with a newer van. So that being said, it looks like that van, based upon my partners at American Honda, is going to remain front-wheel drive as is, you know? Oh, yeah, of course I'm going to say F. Of course I am, Kevin. You know I am, you know? Hello, Dwayne Import Life. Good afternoon. Good seeing you indeed. Hope all is well. I think I may have some questions here. Um, oh, thank you so much, Unknown Terra. I like this as well, and I love all your interaction indeed, you know? Um, work, work, work. Amen. Ah, I think Google's in the same shirt. Thank you so much for the support for the Bisimoto turbos and tuning. I appreciate that indeed. I then good. Thank you so much. Um, Pedro in LA says, did I see you, BC, on Hyperdrive show as an audience? Yes, you did. Not only was it an audience, I was also the spotter for Saul who had the beautiful orange turbocharged LS swapped Z. Yes, Kevin. He had an LS swap setup, you know? Garcia 530 has a good question. He says, I have an NAAP1. Good choice. S2000 with a port intake manifold. Intake car delete. What size exhaust you recommend? BC, single or dual, and what size? Thanks. So I'm a huge advocate of the singles. It's lighter weight, very straightforward. And one thing I noticed with S2000s, they love exhaust flow. Whether boosted or NA, stuff the large exhaust you can in there. The header is one of the most beautiful, most efficient headers I've ever seen on a factory car, period. By all means, by all means, get a three inch or larger, if you can fit that. You will love it. It may be a little bit louder, but there are ways around that, but it is the way to go. F20Cs love to breathe, you know? So, which is pretty nice, so thank you so much. Where is your Seal Cam D-Series car? Right, GY asked a great question. That's the first car I had when I came to the United States in performance. Um, it's a car that really set me apart from everyone else. I got that car down to 10.7 with a D-Series engine, and it sat in my garage for many, 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 many years. It's also the car that pushed me over to F, and I think we got it down to 9.7 in F-Series. Um, I didn't like seeing it in my garage at home, so I had a very good friend of mine, um, actually twins, so two good friends of mine, who were local, they were my electricians um, at the shop, so they set up all electricity and everything at the, at the facility at BC Moto. And they said, BC, hey, that series is just sitting there, you know, it needs to be on track. I said, are you gonna put it on track if I give it to you? He's like, yeah. So I gave him a smashing deal, like for pretty much nothing, very, very cheap, and they took it. And they promised me to put it on a track, but it hasn't been on a track till today. <laughs> so I'm pretty sad about that. So um, I don't have that. So Edgar, if you're listening, please put the CRX on the track, or I'm gonna have to buy it back from you and put it on track myself. I miss that car, you know? 
Oh my god. So, what porting provides the best torque? Golf ball, ridges, etc.? Dread is asking a great question. So, it's not only torque, it's more than torque, it's power and efficiency, and also allowing ease of tuning. One thing that I can tell you as an enthusiast, someone who's done a ton of engine building and design, is do not polish your intake. You can polish your exhaust, it won't matter because exhaust suit will coat it, but the intake, you need to leave it rough. And why is that? If you have a smooth intake port, and imagine your injector spraying to that, the fuel would tend to coagulate and stick to the walls of that smooth port. And what that does, it doesn't do a very good job in allowing your fuel to stay in suspension. You need your fuel to stay in suspension to properly go in the combustion chamber, get ignited, and create power. So if you keep having this wall wetting because of, of your smooth walls, it's not good for efficiency, it makes your tuning kind of weird, the fuel ratio is kind of weird, and that fuel that sticks to walls is dripping the combustion chamber, rubbing heat away from the combustion chamber where it can make power. Remember, engines, internal combustion engines are just energy converters. The more controllable heat you have, the more horsepower you make. So think about that. So what do you want to do? You want to keep your fuel suspension. One way by doing that is to create, if you can, this golf ball type environment against the wall. So when fuel hits it, it has a less chance of sticking and just wants to go back into, you know, go away from suspension and stay into, actually, I'm sorry, wants to go and stay into suspension. It doesn't want to stick and form a fluid wall. Um, so I've tried ridges. They're easier to make, but don't do as well. But definitely the golf ball does a very, if you can put little dimples in it, similar to golf ball, it's the best way of doing it. So I hope that helps, you know? My view on the Chiron, breaking 300 mile an hour, I think is fantastic. Um, and Konasek, I know, he would not, <laughs> he would not back down at all. Von Konasek would not back down at all. It's, it's a great way, and guess what? We're talking about it, and so is the entire performance community. So I think it's pretty cool. It allows things to happen for all of us. It allows more things to happen, you know? Yes, it keeps the fuel in optimization. So on terror one thing about me here at BC Moto, and one of the things that, um, actually I'm here in 1552, but one thing about me with BC Moto is, even though I'm an engineer, I try not to use terms that the average guy will not understand, um, because it's easier for me to talk at engineering level and come across as someone who's so apt and astute, but my goal here is to break things down, break engineering down, break down concepts so the layman can understand and make better decisions for the buying purchases and also better decisions for their projects. So yes, atomization, keeping fuel atomized, keeping suspension is ideal. The opposite happens when you have smooth walls and it sticks to it. And all that means, guys, that your spray, your fuel spray stays in that spray state. That's all it is. Hmm? Thank you so much, Unknown Terra 66. I appreciate that indeed. And um, once again, guys, I am here in Carson, California, next to Mountain, which is right over there. Very good guys. We get a lot of quaint stuff from them. I'm feeling this beautiful Cosworth RS next to me at 1552 wheels. And they have everything from beautiful cast, beautiful cast designs, which are absolutely fantastic, to Fords, you name it. So you think of companies like ours, we have on pretty much almost all our cars. You see Magnus Walker with all his different designs on his 911s and so on and so forth, and 912s and 944s. This is the place. These guys are amazingly creative people with great things, you know? Kevin's asking what racing license do I have? The only one I have is for NHRA. That's all I have. I don't have any crazy licenses with NASA, but only NHRA. Um, do I love Norway? From what I've read, I think it's smashing, but I haven't had the opportunity to be there, you know? Uh, Nonfiction Prophet is saying, my wife wants her AW11K24 swap. I like her already. And all-wheel drive. What would be the way to all-wheel drive an AW11? Man. That can be a very expensive proposition. 
Also, as you look underneath, because I have an AW11 as well, and I put that thing on the left, that bottom is pretty flat. So to push a drive shaft forward would be really, really interesting. If I were to do that, oh man, it can be done. It's going to be extremely invasive. Here's what I would do that won't be as invasive. I would set up your AW11 with a K24 setup in the rear with a petrol setup and the fronts using electric motors. That's what I would do. That, would, that way you have all-wheel drive setup. You have something that's not as invasive. There are companies out there, if you do the search, that allow you to put in these really cool um, devices on each wheel that can give you the capability of driving them electrically. And that way you have the torque and advantages of an electric motor or two in the front. You have the all-wheel drive capability, which your wife is looking for. And you still have the ease of installation that's not very invasive to your chassis. So that's what I would do, just thinking as we're talking, you know? Um, right, UI says, BC, you need to get back into drag racing. Oh, time. So much to do, so little time. But at least Kevin can test it. I go to the track at least once a month. But to enter drag racing as a full-time gig like we used to, I find that harder and harder to understand, you know? Um, Dreader, Dreader says, I have a science degree, but like someone else said, just want to make sure everyone else can visualize. Amen. That's the way to go. I appreciate that indeed. Um, if you use a massive world that we're unfamiliar with, then it can come across as wrong. I have a friend who works in high-end IT. Talking to him is a huge headache. I can't keep up. I think, you know, maybe the guy knows what he's doing and doing that on purpose, but I think differently, you know? Yes, it is. Kevin is saying the fuel tank is in the center of it, right? Absolutely. So it can be quite invasive. Above and beyond the AW loving having the tank, the floor is quite flat. So to put a drive shaft there and then move things around and do a bespoke gearbox, it can be very expensive. Take advantage of technology. Incorporate something that's electric with the petrol and you have a win-win, you know? Any experience with a Morris Tech P30 PDM? No, I don't. Most PDMs that I play around with, it... Is that you, emergency hookers? I'm going to get you. But no, I haven't. I don't have much experience with that. You know? Thank you so much, Ontario. I appreciate the kind words. Indeed. Hello, Amira Bass. Good seeing you. Um, why do all-wheel drive cars usually have a higher top speed than all-wheel drive cars? That's not necessarily true. I don't think it has to do with the fact that some are front-wheel drive and all-wheel drive. As a matter of fact, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't the Chiron, isn't that an all-wheel drive setup? But no, it depends. It totally depends on the setup on the gearing, on drivetrain losses, so on and so forth. So I don't think that's something that is quite universal, you know? Um, have you done anything with a Type R yet? That's a great question, Patman. Um, when the first Type R came out, uh, we were part of the pre-launch. So we got to see the Type R before it even came in the market. Um, we had the luxury of having Honda take us to this very nice place in Long Beach that was very unsuspecting. Um, I was there, John Consciaudi was there, I believe RJ Devera was there, I think um, we had Brian from Hasport there with us, quite a few of us. Uh, we had some people, from, I think Rod Rez was there from Motor Trend, we had all these people there and it was unveiled and we couldn't look at the engine and so on and so forth and I was told that I couldn't modify that car for a year when it comes out. Maybe it had something to do with marketing where we don't want to take away from the beauty of the factory car and what it's capable of, but I was not allowed to do it. And, by the time a year elapsed after Type R was out, why reinvent the wheel? So many companies already jumped into it and did it, so I have it. What I am doing instead is 
This year, I'm going to be working on the Veloster N, which is in that same class as Type R, and we're going to have a lot of fun with that. So you can look forward to giving a lot, getting a lot of parts. Hyundai didn't tell me to not touch it. Um, I won't be going crazy with the engine, but I will create a ton of bolt-ons that allow all of you to enjoy. So look out for that at the SEMA show this year, you know? I bet you do know a guy who's available, Jeremiah. I said he's available to be a driver. I don't know. I'm going to put you to the test and see what's going on, you know? Um, does Honda support the K24Z3? Not at this time. Um, who does support that, however, would be um, uh, our friends from K-Tuner. So they do have support for that. And we have the capability of incorporating an AEM, either Series 2 or Infinity, into that. But there's some modification you have to do. But we've done that. We did that with 2012 Civic. And I have a Z3 engine in my wagon, which is also controlled by an AM Infinity. You know? I think says, when can we see a modified Tesla from Biximoto? Extremely soon. I can tell you that. You know? Um, did they let you take a car on any of the hyperdrive obstacles? No. I was a spotter, and I wasn't a participant. I didn't have a car, any of my cars there. So maybe next season something will happen. I will keep you posted, you know? I think Good says, when will the Judge Week return? I missed a good BC rant. May I not to mention a select person brand? Well, definitely it's easier when I'm at the, at the office. I had it nice and ready for my last Tech Tuesday, but uh, no one judged me. <laughs> so that worked out pretty nicely, you know? Innovative Auto House, good seeing you. MJ Photograph, my neighbor, hello as well. Hello, Zach Falcon Lover. Good seeing you. Mims Holiday. Greetings. I need to come see you guys out in the UK very soon. It's Preet Kumar. says, excited to see you at a Zuffenhausen event. I look forward to seeing you guys there. I'll be bringing my beautiful blue Porsche with, guess what, 1552 wheels on it. So we should have a good, jolly old time at that event coming up, you know? Um, do I need to type out a modified? Not at this time, Brass. Guess what? I have five cars to build, two months to finish them, and guess how many are done? Zero. So I am slammed until the end of the year, so I'm okay for now, you know? What is the easy, fun, and hardest stage of building a car or engine for you? The easy and fun and hardest. Easy fun would be really styling. That's really easy. It's a lot of fun. You can make a car look kind of an extension of yourself. Um, the hardest is the technology component. Manufacturers are making it more and more difficult for you to have a lot of fun with modifying what they have. So there's a lot of multi-level encryption in the ECUs. There's a lot of interaction between the factory ECU and the power distribution model for the body, it's getting more and more difficult to do that. So that's extremely hard because, you know, when I build cars, I want them to be drivable. I want the media guys to be able to take it and not think twice and enjoy it. Um, I hate cars that are undrivable, even though they make a lot of power. So I like cars that are very drivable and very powerful and extremely reliable. So we do all of the above, you know? El Bamino from Denmark, good seeing you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you, Pat, man. I appreciate that. I see my crunch is crazy. Sammy40GZ, you never know. Send your resume to lab at bcmo.com, and if you have what it takes, I'll be more than happy to absorb you into the team. What is your take on oil coolers? Is it worth it? Yes, especially if you have an engine that's put to the ringer and you have oils that are not very ideal. <laughs> oil coolers can save you. Um, many times when you do a lot of road racing, you put a lot of heat into the engine. You need an oil cooler to make sure your, engine, your oil doesn't break down and not protect your engine. Um, of course, that goes more at bay if you use something like Pure Oil, which is what I use. And I've noticed that it has very high thermal stability, so you don't have those challenges. So before you go crazy with your oil coolers, try some Pure Oil. I think they still have an end of summer sponsorship. Hit them up. And I'm sure they more than help take care of you and make you happy as they made me, you know? Um, out of all of your builds over the years, is there a single one you miss the most and why? Um, it's a great question. 
I say probably a tie between my CRX and believe it or not my blue Genesis Coupe. So the BK chassis uh, is the coupe that Hyundai had for the Genesis. It's supposed to be like the next revolution for the real drive coupe style vehicles. Did okay, but didn't do as well as they thought. But when we had the opportunity to build one in 2013, we went to town. We took this engine apart, this V6 engine, which is the 3.8 liter Lambda from Hyundai. Went to town with it. After some time and playing around, we got it to about 1,100 horsepower. Uh, we took it to Arizona and did some half-mile stuff. So if you go on the BC Motor YouTube feed and you do a search for like BC Motor Genesis, you'll see this crazy run that we did, multiple runs we did. So crazy that we had media people there who didn't believe in it. I took people for rides. And this thing did 178 miles an hour in a Hyundai. So it was the most powerful Hyundai ever and the fastest Hyundai ever. They sent engineers from Korea to take a look and see what we did. And then when that car was no longer in program, when it was discontinued, we were told not to promote it anymore, so we just got rid of it. So I kind of missed that. I kind of wish I kept that. That car was fun and fast, dude. Scary because it needs some aero. So once you get towards like 170 miles an hour, it starts kind of moving around on you in the rear. That thing was kind of scary, but it was, it was interesting, you know? Um, what vehicle do you like the most? People wouldn't expect. Um, if it's one of the ones we build, it's the, definitely the Odyssey. Maybe the Odyssey and now the Wagon Van, which is pretty interesting. Um, we should have some really interesting stuff coming out this year, so pay attention. That would be pretty, pretty exciting indeed, you know? Um, what are you guys talking about here? Hi, we're going to give me your card to email you. I haven't heard back. Street Kings, please forgive me. I get hundreds of messages a day, literally hundreds, through social networks, through emails. Street Kings, Kindly write to me again, maybe this afternoon, let me know. Um, send it to my lab address, lab at bcmall.com, and I'll see what I can do to help out. Um, emergency hookers, stop it, because you have my direct cell phone number, so stop, stop misbehaving, you know. Um, what will win a race, the Genesis or the Blue 911? Ooh. See, the Genesis made way more power, and the gearing was nice, but the 911 is way lighter. Ooh. I would say, you know what I'd say? Definitely in the eighth mile, the blue 911 would win from sheer you know, gearing and lightweight, and the torque is amazing. But I took both the Genesis and the 911 to the half mile, and the Genesis did 178, and the blue 911 barely did 150. So definitely top end, the Genesis just kill it. It would kill it indeed, you know? Um, how did you manage to fit 17s on the wagon? Wow, it's actually quite not challenging. So Matt Crook, he's here, he's one of the founders of 1552. He gave me a size that fit perfectly and was just amazing. And I ended up running 205, um, 40, 17 inch tires, R888s. And with those 205s, I think my circumference was 23.1. So if you think about it, even if you run 15s or 16 inch wheels, um, most tires, that fit on that, that look decent on the wagon, are still in that 20, 23 inch diameter or circumference, you know. So that being said, um, I kept the similar circumference that you have in that wagon and then went with a tire that is much thinner in terms of aspect profile. And then of course the wheel's much larger and it looks really cool. But in terms of offset, Matt is the one who made it happen, which is pretty good, you know. Stas is asking, where are you from? I am from Nigeria, West Africa. Came here to go to school and end up staying. So that's where I'm from. 
Uh, do you see the new Turbo F15 being a drag race engine like the KMB series? I absolutely do dip in deep. Think about it, Dippin. It's a lightweight application. I think our friends from PRL end up getting that to like north of 600 wheel. So there's tons of potential there. I do end up seeing that. And since Honda is now discontinuing, I think the only cars now that have the resemblance of the old Ks, some offerings from Acura, the new K20C in the Type R is a stark departure from the earlier Ks. So you're gonna start seeing more engines which are small displacement turbocharged and high capability from Honda and I think it will be the next cool swap to do. You know? Have you ever modified a tuna motorcycle? No, I have not. I've designed some components from them, but never had the opportunity to modify or tune one in-house. I've never been a bike guy myself. I think I like four wheels opposed to anything else. Um, let's see. Hello, hi Rev Zeke. Things are great, hope things are well. Yes, I'm from this earth. Thanks. Stop it, Beaumont. <laughs> Unknown Terrace says that Blue 911 is a beast and he loves it. Thank you so much. I love it too. It's, it's the very first Porsche I ever built. You won't believe, guys, how many individuals naysayed me when it came to that. And what I mean by that is um, a lot of people, even my own partner, said, don't do it. What do you know about Porsches? You're a Honda guy. Don't even explore it. Um, you're this crazy African guy with a name that sounds Japanese who works on Hondas. But, you know, I grew up loving Porsches. I had good friends like Benny uh, Pekua who pushed me towards that marquee to modify them because he felt that a lot of the tuners in that scene really didn't push the envelope. And I'm very glad I did because fast forward to today, we have this great camaraderie in the Porsche community. People love what we do and we've done very well with that marketplace. And the best is yet to come, which is pretty exciting. So I look forward to even more Porsche love, you know? Well, um, unknown terrorist thing, mad BC showed them. I, I know, but you know what they say. I was talking to Hedy about that today. The best way is to be successful. Just show people success, and that's the best way to prove people wrong. You know? We still need a heavily modified Honda today from BC with turbofan wheels and a big boost three cylinder. That would be so epic. That would be pretty cool. It totally depends on the manufacturer. As, as I mentioned many times, Working with OEMs allows me to really push the envelope. And uh, this year we have some talks to do something with Honda, but nothing's been concrete yet. You never know adding good, your dream may come true sooner than later. Hello, Michael the Ellis, good seeing you. Thanks for joining us. Graham87, appreciate the thumbs up. Ah, uh, corrupt things are very funny. I appreciate that indeed. But guys, it's been a slice of heaven. Um, thank you so much, Unknown Terror. Um, how many cars do I own now? Oh my. Too many for me to, sh uh, it's over a three dozen, I think. It's quite a bit, you know? We ever get a BCK car? Now, are you saying K as in a small Japanese K? Or a K-series powered car? Because it's K-series power, I do have that. But if you're talking about a smaller one, that is something that I don't have yet, you know? But guys, I must depart. So, have to talk to Matt up here at 1552, grab some wheels and head back to the office. But in the meantime, thank you so much for joining me on this wonderful 95th edition of the Beast Mode Tech Tuesday. I look forward to the 100th edition. We have to do something really, really special for that one. But I really appreciate all your camaraderie. This will be up for another 24 hours here on Instagram. It will be up on YouTube in a few as well. You can also listen to this entire rant and interaction on the very popular podcast networks. Anchor, um, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, you name it. It's there. So have a great one, guys. Take care and see you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.